0: but I haven't explored much of Jeremiah's book outside of a few favorite passages and knowing that he has a reputation of being the weeping prophet. Of course, Jeremiah 29 is wonderful. God speaks to his people in a very hard time and says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. These words have probably comforted you as From chapters 42 and 43, I'm sure you have them all memorized, right? <laughs> Not nearly as familiar and definitely more closely aligned with the weeping part. Now, I'm an Enneagram 2, if some of you know what the Enneagram is, like, with a strong leaning toward the seven space. So See what he might have for us to ponder this evening. If we remember the history of God's people and consider our own histories, the sin revealed in the book of of Jeremiah shouldn't be any surprise to us. As I believe the philosopher Hegel wrote: What we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Yahweh's people historically. justice, making promises they couldn't keep, not listening to God as he spoke through his prophets. And as Father Kevin reminded us last week, God had allowed Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to completely destroy Jerusalem. He had taken captive most of the two tribes of Judah, reloaded Most of the Judeans were exiled to Babylon. In Jeremiah 42, we meet this small remnant of Jewish folks that remained in Jerusalem even after the fall. As you can imagine, they felt abandoned and afraid. The temple, actually, the temple itself that had held the Holy of Holies, the very place where gone it was an unspeakable tragedy and those left there were facing a monumental decision about where to live and what in the world to do as you heard the story read you realize they began by making a really good choice but then things went downhill rapidly let's see if we can learn a little So as I said, they have three choices. None of them seem so great. Uh, first, they could go to Babylon with the others, though Babylon had attacked them and the Babylonian king now was offering a more or less safe haven, but it seemed a little dicey. Two, they could stay in Jerusalem in the Holy Land and the land that God had given them, but they also had, the, this was the land that he had allowed to envision Mariupol, Ukraine. God's attitude toward them did seem to be softening, but living in Jerusalem would require lives of trust in God, and that wasn't their strong point. Thirdly, they could go to Egypt, which sounds strange, a little weird. It was a place that was oddly familiar to them, the country their ancestors had left, the exodus centuries before. As Eugene Peterson says, sure, they had been slaves there, so that doesn't sound so great, but at least they were secure. No war, no starvation. So the way forward didn't seem clear to them. Who should they go to for help in making this decision? When I was in my Central Michigan, and during a regular medical checkup, the doctor found what he thought was a tumor on one of my ovaries. Surgery was recommended. We didn't really know that many people in town yet, we were kind of new, but at church I had had one extended conversation with an older woman named Eleanor, who I discovered When the exam was done prior to surgery, the growth had disappeared, and no surgery was necessary. I later learned that Eleanor was known as a woman of prayer and faith by nearly everyone who knew her. Then, years later, when we were planting Church of the Savior, one evening, Though Bill doesn't usually wear his clerical collar to restaurants, that evening he left it on. We were just about ready to leave the restaurant when the manager motioned to us to wait. He brought all the staff out of the kitchen. The servers, the hosts, the chefs, the dishwashers, everybody came out of the kitchen and he asked Bill to pray a blessing over them. The collar, Jeremiah had a reputation as a man of God, and he had a ministry of prayer and prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14 from the message tells us that prophecy is proclaiming God's truth in everyday speech so that others can grow and be strong and experience the presence of the Lord. So when the remnant and went to the prophet Jeremiah, a man who they had a love-hate relationship with, but who they perceived had a direct connection with God. They said to Jeremiah, you heard it read tonight, please listen, pray to your God for us. What's left of us, we're a mere remnant. Pray that your God will tell us the way we should go and what we should do. Notice, souls, whether they felt close to Yahweh or not, and even though it seems they had lost their identity as God's people, they knew they needed help. They knew they needed prayer. So like Invite you to think about your own histories. When you're in a difficult spot or facing a significant question, what do you do? Do you go to somebody you know will pray? Do you contact the intercessory prayer team? Do you have the boldness to mention? I have three questions for you tonight, this is the first. Are there any adjustments you need to make in terms of your relationship your Us. Whether we like it or not, we're going to do it. We'll obey. Yes, count on us, we promise. And the New Living Translation adds For if we obey God, everything will turn out well for us. Q and I roll. Have you ever met I do this, then surely, God, you'll keep up your end of the bargain. These are people who make promises and hope that God comes through because of their own faithfulness, but then they're completely unable to keep their word. I can only imagine what Jeremiah must have been thinking when the people kept assuring him of their promise to do whatever God said. Maybe he shook his head and sighed, Jeremiah allowed himself to hope that this time would be different. But what hits me here is their utter lack of self awareness. The the lack of self awareness on the part of those making the promise. Now, a lot of you know that I volunteered at the jail for years, and I would from time to time get a question like this If I come I promise to go to anger management and parenting classes and read my Bible and pray. Those are all really good things. Don't you think, well, God will give me a break? Those are good things to do, but these folks were trying to make a deal, making promises to get the results they wanted, but keeping the promises for it. It seems like the Judean remnant thought the more words they used, the better chance they'd have that God would come through. But they were making promises. Their own histories told them they couldn't or wouldn't keep. God warned in Isaiah, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Peter, you remember? I'll never deny you. It in our own histories. We promise certain we can leave some habit behind, some substance behind, or follow through on something like telling the truth. And we fail. In the scripture, we're reminded that making promises we can't keep leads only to condemnation. James 5.16 says this, my brothers and sisters. Yes or no. Otherwise, you're going to be condemned. You're going to be condemned by your own failure to keep the promise, and you're going to be condemned by the enemy of our. so I now invite you to ponder a second time now this question are you good to your word to God If you all are ready to stick it out, or sort of like stick with me, God was saying, in Jerusalem, then you don't have to fear the King of Babylon. God is speaking. I am on your side, ready to save you, to deliver you from anything he might do. I'll pour out my mercy on you. Just stay in Jerusalem. We discover that now God discover they had no interest in it. God clearly tells them to stay in Judah, reminding them of his promises, and they just refuse to listen. The fascination their ancestors had with Egypt seemed to hold them stronger. Living by faith in an unseen God who hid himself in a pillar of cloud in the promised land sounded too mystical, too flimsy, as Peterson writes. But to run to Egypt made up their minds, and and Jeremiah speaks to them, God has plainly told you, don't go. You're making a fatal mistake. Promises, promises, you make false promises you can't and won't keep. When God clearly speaks, you won't listen. Then the people absolutely lose it and shout at Jeremiah. telling us not to go to Egypt and live there. It's not true at all. Truth and lies were getting all mixed up. They wouldn't listen to God's promise that they could stay in the land of Judah and be cared for by God. Egypt was calling. And so our third and final thought to ponder this evening is, do we listen? Really listen when God speaks? Or is our mind and we're just waiting for God to bless our ideas. Are there any adjustments? Another really terrible thing happened as the people head toward Egypt in total disobedience to God's message. They grabbed Jeremiah and Baruch, his scribe, his pictures on the front of the order of service. They were the only two truth tellers around. But they are Egypt organized a religion that was completely impersonal. It is the supreme irony of Jeremiah's life that it ended in Egypt, the place that represented everything he abhorred. Can you get the sadness of this? How can God apparently abandon Jeremiah and allow him to be exiled from the Promised Land with a bunch of Jeremiah Jeremiah was taken to Egypt, but I think he didn't go quietly. In chapter 44, he continues to speak God's truth into the vacuum of deafness. He cries out to the people, please don't do this. Why are you ruining your lives, leaving yourselves isolated and unconnected? Eventually, it's thought that Jeremiah was stoned to death by these people. As I thought about the tragic end to Jeremiah's life, I have wondered if, while in Egypt, he may have drawn on some of his earlier writings to try to woo the people back to God. Like maybe Jeremiah six sixteen, it happens to be my favorite Jeremiah verse, and many of you. This is what the Lord says. Stand no i don't think jeremiah ever gave up and i'm sure his weeping continued that's i'm sorry to say how it ends i'd like to report that jeremiah wins in the end in his his lifetime that the people repented and god forgave he certainly lived righteously and courageously so we expect he will have some success. continued prophesying in a seemingly hopeless situation, being dragged through the muck of sin with people who wouldn't listen. So last week at breakfast, so, you know, I'm preparing and I'm thinking, oh, this is a great ending. Last week at breakfast, I was talking to Bill about Jeremiah and his demise. And I said, with some level of passion, Jeremiah didn't even end up in the So I grabbed my Bible, opened to Hebrews 11, and started going over the names. This is how breakfast goes at the (laughs) Richard I was sure I hadn't seen his name included there. I started reading aloud, looking for the capital letters. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, whoever that is, David. Almost brings tears, and the prophets. The writer continues, and the prophets, who through faith faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. Jeremiah is known as one who wept, and God wept with him. I wept with him too. Bittersweet tears, and I invite you to join us. God had remembered him, and in the